0: Well, we got a full house. Hello. Hello. <laughs> All right. Hello. Good morning, ladies. Welcome to Mary Shannon's Bible study. It's good to see you. Um, my Hi. name is Taylor. Um, if you don't know who I am, my picture will probably appear somewhere up here. Um, I am Shannon's assistant, um, an adopted daughter. Um, I've known Shannon for ten years. I'm extremely pregnant. Um, birthing this child in four weeks, hopefully. Um, I am her assistant. So if you have any questions, um, concerns, you can reach out to me. My information um, is up on the slide. I made it pretty easy um, for you to uh, find all the information you need on her website. There is now a Bible study page. So if you go to the Bible study page, um, you can sign up uh, for a variety of things. So one of the things new we have this year is we have a daycare for all of our moms. Um, This is something that's really important to Shannon. Uh, Because moms need Jesus, we haven't heard. I've heard it's pretty rough out there. Um, I guess I'm going to find out real soon. Uh, But we are really excited to offer daycare this year. In order for um, us to continue to grow um, and to continue to have daycare, though, we are going to need volunteers. This isn't something that we need someone to show up every week and volunteer. Um, But Shannon has asked if you would be willing to make a commitment of volunteering once a year um, in one of our daycare rooms. That would be a super big help to us. If that's something that you feel called to do or led to do, um, you can sign up by scanning your camera on that code and it will take you right to the sign-up page. Otherwise, it's all on her website. Um, there will be a weekly sign-up where you can sign your kids up or you can sign up to volunteer. If I know ahead of time how many kids I have coming, I will be prepared. So please tell your friends, um, tell tell anyone that you know that's a mom who needs daycare um, and who needs Jesus and coffee. Um, So that's a little bit about daycare. Um, Giving is also really important. Shannon is a a ministry and she can only do this by the support of those in the Valley. And so if you uh, feel called to give, you can give online. Um, There's also, I believe an offering basket right out um, in the front. Um, You can donate, give a one-time donation or if you feel led to support her monthly, um, you can do that online as well. Um, If you have any other questions, please feel free to reach out to me. I do have to be the bearer of bad news about parking really quickly. Um, There are a lot of businesses in this area and we're so grateful for Life Church to have this open, Um, but we need to make sure that we're also being respectful of those around us. So if you see an orange cone, please don't park there. Um, If you did park in an orange cone, if you would be so kind as to go move your car, um, we already have a couple businesses who were on their list and we want to get off of it. So if you parked in an orange cone, if you can move your car, that'd be great. Um, or I can move it for you. Uh, or, I mean, get some, get some exercise in. The other um, thing too is the, the covered parking. We need to make sure that we save that for those who are um, doing the businesses around here. So if you parked in a covered parking spot and uh, or a cone, if you could please move your car ASAP, that'd be great. Um, we have a lot of people here and so parking seems to be a little scarce but we're going to figure it out as we go so if you get those two things for me that would be amazing otherwise that's all i have i will be around afterwards um there'll be coffee available for donation um life church has been gracious enough to have coffee available so please help yourself we are really trying to encourage fellowship so don't just come and leave or come re- and listen to shannon speak and then leave stick around to meet some friends um and have some fellowship with one another It's great to see you all here, and I hope you enjoy Daniel.
1: Isn't she the cutest thing you've ever seen? (laughs) I have known her since she was a freshman at Grand Canyon University. So uh, back in the day, I did uh, young women's Bible study at Grand Canyon University, and uh, and honestly, I love it. It's it's really my sweet spot. I love being with those college girls, and um, you know we were always trying to fly under the radar because uh, Grand Canyon has a policy that uh, no outside Bible studies can be there. And but <laughs> but they let me fly under the radar for quite a few years. I mean, we would pack out dorms at the top with. Um, all of these young college girls. I think at one point, Taylor can vouch. We had like 90 girls packing out the top of a, a dorm, and it was amazing. Um, but then other people st- started trying to have Bible studies, and then some of the girls would write my name down as their spiritual advisor on campus. Oh and so we got busted, and, uh, and we had to, we had to uh, leave campus, so I thought, oh, I know what I'll do. So, At the time, there was First Baptist or something right on the campus at Grand Canyon. And so I rented a room there and all the girls would walk over and do Bible study. And then lo and behold, Grand Canyon bought the dang church. (laughs) You know what I'm realizing? I am the migrant worker of, uh, you know, of Bible teaching. Um, and, And to say that, I am so happy with this venue right here and um, it is an amazing location for the west side it is adorable and the people of life church are some of the most amazing people you will ever meet and for them to open this campus up to us is amazing and not only did they open their campus up to bible study they opened their children's rooms up to our children that is huge It is huge. Um, It's important to me because I will tell you this. I grew up going to Bible study. And as a young mom, it was so important to me to have my face in the book and to be around other women um, of all ages who would encourage me and say things to me like, girl, eventually he will potty turn. Uh, you need to quit stressing out about it because when he goes to kindergarten and he pees in his pants one time he'll decide it's time like I mean you know they just have a way older women that have been through certain things to like help us cool our jets when we are freaking out about all kinds of things and I will tell you this that having my face in the book nonstop, fixing my eyes on Jesus got me through a lot of stuff and still to this day um, it is stuff that I knew that I could hold on to uh, when the storms of life came. So I'm really passionate about getting young moms here. We can't do that if we don't have child care. Now, with that said, we're stepping out on faith about that. Because as you see, I don't know if you looked, but we have these precious gals who are actually from Grand Canyon University or graduated from Grand Canyon, and they work for a company called Busy Bees, and we have to pay them. And so I hope that you will feel committed um, also to help me with that financial situation because we need to be able to have good people who are uh, background checked um, and safe for our kids, watching over our kids. So that is something we need as you think about giving that we are trying to support um, this child care. And I know y'all don't want to miss Bible study and work in there. And so when Taylor said that, I know some of you went, oh, gosh. Here's the thing. I teach this three times. Did you know that? Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, and Wednesday morning. That means you can volunteer once a year to be with some little sweeties so that we can get some young moms in this Bible study. Once a year, you can volunteer on a Tuesday morning, or you could actually volunteer on Wednesday morning, But you have other options to actually hear me in person and you always have the option of listening online. And so I want to encourage you to do that. This is our Bible study. It's not mine. It's ours. And we're going to make it what it is. And so I need help in that area. And whatever we do, let's obey the rules of this parking lot because we don't want to get booted out of this place. Right? And I'm so thankful that they were willing to open up their coffee shop. I want you to get here early. I know you moms are like, I can't. I barely got in the door with my kids. Well, I know. So you can be the ones to stay after late. But we have 30 minutes before and 30 minutes after. Meet some people. Hang out and talk for a little bit. Have some community. And every now and then, I'm going to try to be better at maybe preparing some thoughtful questions um, that go along with the the message, um, and that you can sit and really kind of discuss and connect. Um, so anyway, but I'm so appreciative of Taylor. I can barely keep up with what I do. Um, <clears throat> this month especially is insane. I am gone almost the entire month. I'm either teaching locally or I'm traveling with the Spire. And so to be able to keep up with all the business side of things and communication, I'm just, I can't do it. I'm terrible at it. And Taylor is amazing. And so make sure you reach out to her. The beauty of her is that she has been around me, like I said, since she was a freshman in college. She knows me to the core. She can sound like me. She can answer. She knows exactly what I think, how I'm made. She knows the ins and outs of my family. She has been with me in the darkest times and some of the most joyous times. And so she is the perfect fit. I am so thankful that God, I've been praying for that for a long time. I'm thankful that God brought her. And if you've been on my Instagram, you will realize I'm not the one doing it. All of a sudden, Mary Shannon Hoffpower came to life. You know what I'm saying? You know that's not me. Okay? It's all her. And so um, I see it. I correspond with it. If it's personal, she sends it my way, Um, but she is really helping to grow this ministry. So I always start the year, right? I already had people come up to me and say, you know, how was your summer? Did you have any crazy stories from summer? Because I always did, because y'all know what my life is like, right? And if you're new, you may not know what my life is like and uh but this is going to give you a clue last summer i came back and you know i had planned on camping in my trailer all summer and y'all saw my trailer uh that year if you were a part of bible study and toured it you're like shannon's going on an adventure and she went out and you remember the story i'm out in the woods worked so hard to get out there And they closed down the entire national forest because of fires. Do you remember this? And then I had to go to the gravel lot by the golf course to stay for a while. And then those jack wagons stole my generators. Do you remember this? Okay, one thing after another. And then that day I decided to go play golf because I'm fed up with people. And honestly, God, because I'm trying, you know, I'm trying, Lord, to get through this. And stuff keeps happening, and then I run into the guy at the golf course, and we have this whole divine appointment about Jesus. Do you remember this? Well, my life, that's just one story of many, but I'll tell you a funny one from this summer. So, once again, my summer does not turn out exactly like I think. I'm trying to be a, you know, an adventurer and camp and get away up north, but I have so many things that are happening. That interrupt, one was a true blessing, and that is my daughter got married. Yes. And she got married to the most amazing young man that you can even imagine. Praise God. Okay. And later on, I might even refer to it in my notes how this all got started. Um, but I have been praying for that for a long time. And not only have I been prayed about, but the pastor of this church, Derek, happens to love my daughter, like you can't imagine. He goes on prayer walks, and she's at the top of his list. And I'm telling you, God has really answered our prayer in regard to her husband, Ben. But in July, she got married July 6th, so we go on this whole deal. She wanted just to elope, well, she wanted just to go to the courthouse, really simple. The whole thing got a little uh, little crazy. By the end of it, we still went to the courthouse, but we had 42 people, a small wedding (laughs) against her will. But anyway... Um, and really against mine and so but we go and so last minute I'm trying to orchestrate you know my parents getting there and, and different people getting there and getting an Airbnb and what turned into just oh we're going to the courthouse was a whole week of being in Aurora Colorado and I had to drive because I had to bring her dog back to her praise the Lord because I've had him for a year and uh, all this kind of stuff so we get back there and we pull up we, we go to this Airbnb and y'all, it was beautiful on the inside, just like the pictures. But the problem was, it was in the ghetto. Okay, I'm in the hood. And so Hillary's like, "Mom, you in the hood?" And I said, "Well, I don't know, Aurora. I just picked a place." So that night, I my parents were with me. And I picked up my friend, and we are. I tell him, "Listen, y'all, get everything out of this car." <laughs> because, uh, you know, I, they're going to break in my car. So I, we got everything out. We cleared it out. And I'm like, okay. The next morning, I get a phone call at 6 a.m. My daughter is coming undone. And she, she's she been through a lot of trauma, you know. She has a lot of triggers. And uh, she's throwing up. She's sick. A first call in the morning, 6 a.m. I throw. My friends are like, yep, sounds about right. I throw on my clothes. I go out, sure enough, they broke it into my car. So all my stuff is strewn, the whole thing, I get in that thing, I'm like, okay, I'm putting it all back together, got my baseball cap on, I go to Hillary, she's throwing up, I'm talking her off the ledge, she dreamed about Zachary, why is he not here, we're crying together, we're doing the whole thing. I said, do you love this man, do you want to get married to him? Yes. I said, okay, here's the thing, we don't have to go to the courthouse, right? You just want to marry the man. We got a dinner venue tonight, and I, I happen to know two pastors are coming to this thing. We'll get you married. It doesn't matter, Hillary. It, all this is for naught. I'll send out a text. Don't you worry about it, but, but we got her through it. I duct taped her back together like only moms can do. Uh, ben came in. I ran home, got Q, got my people and Hillary got married at the courthouse, and we picked a random judge at the courthouse, and I'm telling you, he was ordained by God. He was the best-looking black guy with the bow tie you've ever seen, and I know he loved Jesus, and now we're friends. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. He was amazing, all right? But the 42 people that came together, um, it was a little sketchy going into this thing. It was, uh, you know, everybody's together all at once, and for me, that was a little wiggy, but we got through it. And that night, we had uh, dinner, and that venue was amazing. I had a ball. But by the end of the night, I had a headache like you cannot imagine. And I looked at my friend and my parents. I'm like, I got the Roman," and they're like, No, you don't. No, you don't. You're just you've been stressed. You're falling apart. You're fine. You have Shan. You don't drink water. You're dehydrated. They're, you know they're And I thought, No, I got. I'm telling you I do. so that night I go to bed. They drug me all up the next morning I feel terrible, but I'm like I ain't doing it. I'm not giving into this I drive my parents my friend and I drive my parents to the airport. We go downtown Denver I'm like I'm gonna enjoy this time away and we hung out and we're driving. It's a beautiful day I said hey, let's go over to uh, Capitol Hill I'm gonna show you the mansions how beautiful they are in Denver He's like, all right, so we're driving, the windows are all down, it's beautiful. All of a sudden, this wasp comes flying in the window, the biggest wasp you have ever seen in your life, like a dive bomber. Like, he's mad at the world. It was so, he hit the gas so hard, it startled both of us, and we were like, whoa, like that. And then this wasp was like a pinball machine through the, through the car, and I'm screaming, and it is everywhere, and all of a sudden, it lands on the back of my seat. So I lean up, and when I do, my friend takes my flip-flop off my foot and hits it. And when he does, it goes in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> it is in my pants. So now, I hit that seatbelt, I'm standing up, we are in traffic, like you can't imagine dinner on my left side. And I am screaming. And so he finally pulled the car over into a bank parking lot where there is the bank driveway. Everybody's trying. And I am telling y'all that by the time that car got stopped, actually before it got stopped, I had jumped out and dropped trout. <laughs> Totally took my shorts off in public. I just want you to know this about your public. <laughs> took my shorts off. I am standing there now. Just picture it. I know y'all don't want to picture it. Picture it. I am in a t shirt, some form of undies, <laughs> and one flip flop. <laughs> and I have my shorts in my hand, and I am slinging them. Like this, in public, at traffic, in the bank line. My friend gets out of the car and comes around. That's embarrassing. And he goes, oh. He's like, man, he got you good. And I'm like, you think? And so he goes, Shannon, you cannot drop trout. He said the cops are sitting right there. I look up in one flip flop my undies, a t shirt, my shorts in my hand, and there are two cops sitting in the bank parking lot looking right up. I put my shorts back on, and with one flip flop, I walked over and I said, um, Excuse me, but. I really am sorry about the indecent exposure (laughs) that you just saw. I said, but I need you to know, I have a wasp in my shorts. (laughs) And they're dying. They're dying laughing. And he goes, Well, all I know is y'all look like a Chinese fire girl. And he said, He goes, Ma'am, he goes, Those are extenuating circumstances. And I said, Yes, you think? And he goes, Well, are you allergic? And I said, no. He goes, are you all right? I said, well, I'm humiliated. My left butt cheek is on fire, but I'm all right. And you know, I'm on their cam. I'm probably on the camera at the baseline. You know that me and my Pirate Patch underwear are somewhere on the internet out there for the world to see. I mean, it is crazy. So we get back in there. By that night, I had 101. The next day, we have to, we are moving my daughter and her new husband to their apartment, which happens to be on the third floor, and, you know, just worked our brains out. So, my friend and I are driving back to Arizona from Colorado, and I am totally high on Robitussin. And all of a sudden, he starts laughing. And I went, What are you laughing about? And he goes, Shannon. Do I need to recap? (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, seriously, the first night we're there, your car gets broken into. The next morning, you're duct taping your daughter all together. You maneuvered things like I have never seen through that entire day through dinner. You have a migraine headache. You freaking got COVID. And then you get stung (laughs) on the butt by the biggest boss I've ever seen. And he goes, and through all of it, you stay positive. And I don't know how you do that. (laughs) I looked at him and I said, dude, this is my life. (laughs) I said, I used to think I was in a season. (laughs) And I said, and I've begun to think, it's not a season. (laughs) This is just my life. (laughs) And I said, and I used to think, oh, when is the light at the end of the tunnel? And then I realized that life is the tunnel. <laughs> so I'm telling you, what you experienced the last four days, this is it. <laughs> and if it scares you, you need to get out now. <laughs> like, this is normal, right? I have been to such lows that this stuff, this ain't nothing, right? And so I'm just telling you that, is any, can anybody relate to me? I, if you're waiting for life just to get good, like when is there never a, a trauma or a tragedy or an emergency or a stressor? Or? Heaven, that's it, right? And so as long as we're on this earth, right, we're in the game, we're at war. And uh, but I always, I always like to tell y'all that I couldn't make this stuff up. And so I have, I, I'm like, Lord, you do this to me so that I can have great material. So I have plenty of material. I need a break. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to use this at some point when I'm teaching, when I'm trying to discuss when you're between a rock and a hard place. Like when you have two hard decisions, which one you make. Hey, I'll tell you which one you make. You drop trowel and public when there is a wasp in your shorts, right? And so, just put that away. You might want to use that at some point. Okay? With all that said, I have no idea why in the world God led me to the book of Daniel. Because it is one of the hardest books, I think, to teach. But all summer long, as I prayed about it, it kept coming back to me and back to me and back to me. And it was so interesting through John how many times, right, I sent y'all back to Daniel. Do you remember this? Uh, through the book of john uh, jesus quotes the book of daniel so many times and so i decided this is what we're going to do and i had been in the new testament for a couple of years and it's time for me to get back to my spot which i love the old testament um some of you are like mm, me not so much i get it but i hope that as we explore the old testament together you're going to fall in love with it as much as i am now if you're new this is going to be a rough one for you, probably, unless you love a lot of history. If, if you've never been to a Bible study, um, it, it's different. It's not like you coming to church and I'm going to preach to you for 35 minutes, and it is, you know, kind of tied up in, in a message that stands alone. When we come to Bible study, we're really going to study a book, and we're going to get through what we get through. And then guess what? The next Tuesday we show up and we start right there and we get through what we get through. And that's what I like about it. And we take all that we can out of that scripture and learn and apply it to our lives. How many of you try to study the Bible and you're like, I just don't get it. I don't really get exactly what it's telling me. Well, we have the opportunity now to walk through it together And to really uh, chew it up and dissect it together. And we're not in a hurry. And to be quite honest, I don't have a schedule laid out. I don't necessarily love to do that. And so that is the beauty of it. I do want your face in the book. And I do want you reading through Daniel so you can be familiar with it. But today, I'm backing you up all the way to the beginning. Because if you don't understand how Daniel fits into history, I don't believe you're ever going to truly understand all that is within it. Because you need to know what Daniel believed about the beginning of the world. You need to know about um, the history of Daniel's nation. Do you know why? Because there were prophecies coming up to Daniel, telling exactly what was going to occur under the Babylonian Empire. And I want you to see this. Um, The beauty of it is this. I do not believe Daniel was a book that was written about the end times. All right? I don't believe Daniel is a workbook for us to lay out a timeline of the second coming of Christ and then stick to it and argue with all the other churches and then be divisive. I don't think that was the point of Daniel at all. I think the point of Daniel is the fact that when everything seems out of control, based on appearance that we know what god is in control and it is a book that no matter what period of history you are in that you realize that god is in control and no matter what it looks like it doesn't change what god has called us to do and that is endure and to be faithful we are going to watch a young man who is going to be taken into exile into the nation of Babylon. And he is going to have to learn how to operate within a culture that is adamantly against his and love that culture and be an influence. And let me tell you, that's no easy thing to do. And Daniel was not only an influence through the Babylonians, he was an influence through the Babylonians, through the Persians. And because of his influence, later on in the Gospels, we have the wise men searching for a Redeemer that is coming, the King of the Jews. And remember, Daniel was the head of the wise men. And so we have this whole connection. His influence was unreal. And he worked we basically a corrupt government his entire life. And he was still influential. So we're going to look at that. So today we're going to do a lot of history. And I hope that I can make it come alive to you. Um, but don't expect to walk out of here remembering everything I have taught you. It's like trying to take a drink out of a fire hydrant. Okay, I'm going to do my best. We're going to take a, basically a 3,000-foot view of some history. Are you with me? And if you don't like history, I don't know what to tell you. But just trust me, it won't always be like this. Just keep coming back, and I'm going to stop in portions of it because there are amazing lessons to be learned by some of the different people within this history. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Let me pray We need Jesus, that's for sure. Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word, to let it uh, penetrate me. That you just let me chew it up, ponder it, think, and then share with my friends. And Lord, to see what the word does inside of us. It reminds us of what we can count on. That no matter what things appear to be like, gosh, it seems such chaos sometimes. But, Lord, you are outside of that chaos, and you're in absolute control. And I'm so thankful for that. God, I pray that you would speak through me. Um, I pray that you would even teach me through my own mouth. I pray that we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. Um. Speak to each woman exactly where she is. Give her the nugget for the day that she needs. Lord, I love you. And I feel like I have a little bit of cobweb happening inside of me from this break. And so, God, I pray that you would take over and be very powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. I taught Genesis, I think, for about two years. So if you are part of that, hopefully Genesis is familiar with you. Uh, or you're familiar with Genesis, Genesis is broken up into two distinct sections. Chapters 1 through 11 were four great events of the world. And 12 through 50 are about four patriarchs or a family, right? Daniel would have, this is Daniel's belief system of the creation of the world that God created everything. He created everything perfect and whole. Not only was it good, in and of itself, but it was good in how it related to all the other creations. And so God created man in his own image, you know that, which involved the fact that we were relational, that we are creators as well, we're creative, we are able to use the elements that God created and to create things out of that ourselves, to build, to solve problems, and he also created us To rule everything was perfection, and he declared that it was good. And you know the story, right? The second event was the fall of man. Sin broke it, and it broke it in a in a more it was mortally broken, let me tell you. And because of that, we had all the image of God, but instead of putting God in absolute authority, we replaced God with ourselves. And everything was broken. And it didn't take long. And by the way, in the middle of that brokenness, in Genesis chapter 3, God gives us the very first promise. It's called the Proto-Evangelium. And it was right in the middle of the punishments. And he says, when he is speaking to the deceiver, to Satan, he says this. He goes, I will put hatred between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. You will bruise his heel." He will crush your head. Right in the middle of the biggest disaster of the world, God sends out a message of good news that one day there would be a redeemer, someone who would destroy the enemy and set all things right. So we have that promise at the very beginning. But because of sin, we see, listen, sin is like lighting the wick on a piece of dynamite. It didn't take long before we see that all mankind was corrupt with sin to such a point that it grieved the heart of God that he made man and he determined to bring judgment, and he did so through a flood. I get uh, questions all the time, and one of the things I think we deal with as human beings, we're like, with all the wickedness in this world, why does God not intervene? Have you ever heard that? Why does God not intervene? Do you realize that in these first large uh, events of humankind, he did? Do you understand that? It became so wicked, he refused to allow it to go on. And he intervened in the most immense way you can possibly imagine. In order to get rid of the wickedness that was happening, he decided to destroy all of mankind. That's intervention. But because he had made a promise before that from the family of Eve, a Redeemer was coming, the story tells us that he showed grace or favor on Noah. And what do we know about Noah? He was the best option there was. He was the best that humankind had to offer at this point, and this is what he starts over with. The best that man has to offer with his sons and he shows them grace and through the judgment they come inside of the ark which is a symbol of Christ Jesus and he preserves them through the judgment and they have a new beginning. Does this sound familiar? He started with the best mankind had to offer and he lets them start over. And because human beings are alive sin is alive, and it didn't take long, that we are immediately in Genesis chapter 11, where we see one of the greatest revolts against God ever recorded in history. When they have grown to uh, one nation, and they are absolutely canceling out God, and they decided, no, we're going to build a city called Babel, with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Why? Because we're going to make a name for ourselves. God created us to be relational, to be creative, and to rule. This is not what we do. It's who we are. The problem is, when we don't do it under God's authority, and we do it under ours, we build earthly empires. And when there is absolute power, absolute power corrupts what? Absolutely. And you have this picture, and Babel's going to be important, to us, that's why you need to kind of hear this 3,000 foot view, right? You have Babel, where they are building an earthly empire already under one leader, one nation, one language, one culture. They're canceling out God. They are determining what is God, and they are building uh, the city of Babel. Because that's what we do. We build earthly empires. And God said, oh, no, you don't. And so what did he do? He confused their languages. He came down and he intervened. And he confused their languages. And because of the different languages, they broke up according to languages, and the nations were born. Now, I used to ask my students all the time, because actually there was such grace in the division of the nations. Because we saw unhindered what, uh, what sin can do in the hearts of man until the entire population is revolting against God. But when God divided them into nations, in some sense, it slowed down that effect. I would ask my students, why could, what did Hitler want to do? Okay, and they would say, "Oh, he wanted to annihilate all the Jews. I go, okay. Why did he not, why why was he not able to totally fulfill his will? And uh, someone would speak up and say, well, one of the reasons is because the United States and her allies stopped him. Exactly. Because at this point, because of the nations, one nation could police another. And all nations were not under one wicked leader with one belief and one culture. In that scenario, the depravity of man, God said there ain't nothing that they're not capable of doing. And so he confused the languages, and the nations were born, and they then scattered amongst the earth. But God had a plan, right? He said a Redeemer was coming. He remembered that promise uh, um, to Noah, right? And he showed favor on Noah. But now the nations are split in revolt, and he chooses a man by the name of who? Abraham, okay? And he says to Abraham, you my man, I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all nations of the earth will be blessed through you. What does that mean? Well, we know now looking back that all nations will be blessed through him because eventually the Messiah will come through the family of Abraham or the nation of Israel. We know that Abraham has a son. What's his name? Isaac, right? And Isaac has Jacob, all right? And Jacob has 12 sons. The 12 tribes of Israel. Do you always wonder when you read about tribes, like some of you that haven't studied the book, like, what are these tribes? What is this all about? It's a family. That's what it is. It started off as a family. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. God chose Jacob. Through Jacob came 12 sons. They were then the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. Because we have to be governed. We have to be organized as we grow. And those were the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, one of the sons in the 12 tribes was Joseph. And he was the key. Because Joseph, right, was the one that saved his family from famine. And brought his family to the nation of Egypt. Where they grew from a family of 70 into a nation of 2 million people. But God had promised Abraham, I will make you a great nation. Okay, well, they grew into a great nation in Egypt. But he also said, it's going to happen because your family is going to be taken captive in a land that is not your own. And they will be oppressed for 400 years. But they will cry out to me, and I will hear their cry, and I will free them. God is a promise-keeping God. He heard the cries of his people in Egypt, and who did he bring? Moses right now what I want you to keep in mind too is as we're watching God Bring about the fruition of his plan. What is happening in the stories? People's lives People's lives you go to Sunday school you go to church you hear the stories you hear the story about Abraham about how Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a kid, and they didn't wait on God, and so they gave Hagar to Abraham, and oh, Ishmael, that's a problem. That's caused a lot of problem for us in history. That free will, that choice had great consequence. But yet, in the middle of all these individual stories, right, Jacob and Esau, don't you remember that story? Jacob was the one chosen, and yet he tricked his brother, out of the birthright and he tricked his father to get the blessing right and because of that this trickster got sent to the school of hard knocks with his uncle laban i mean you have all these interesting stories inside about how god dealt with man how man had free will and their choices created consequences and we learn all kinds of stories within the little stories but yet if you back up what do you also see The sovereignty of God to bring about his plan. And that's what I want you to see. Sometimes we're going to stop and we're going to look at little stories. But sometimes we're going to back up. Because how important is it not to get always lost in individual stories, but to back up and realize that there is a plan and purpose in the big picture? Think about that for a minute. If I did not know that and all I had to do is get lost in my own story and I did not realize how I fit in or that God has a broader purpose for life to keep me going. Do you understand that there is beauty in the sovereignty of God, the sovereign will of God, but yet the fact that God allows man to operate free? because While the plan is in fruition, God is absolutely working in the heart of personal people in their lives and being a personal God to them. And how we fit in the big plan, we will be able to see at the end of all days. And I can't wait to see that. But you have Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Joseph gets them to Egypt. Moses frees them from Egypt. And he takes them to Sinai where they become a nation. 2 million people and God makes a covenant with them, right? What's it called? The 10 commandments. It is a marriage covenant. He is saying he's giving them the opportunity. I've kept my promise. I've made you a nation. Now, the fact is, do you want me for your God? Because I'm a gentleman. I'm not going to make anyone marry me. And so I'm asking you, will you love me and only me? Will you get rid of all your old boyfriend's pictures? No images, no idols. Because they worship just like the Egyptians did. Um, Will you honor my name? Because you're going to bear it. You're going to be identified by me. Will you make me the most important thing in your life? Will you keep the Sabbath? Will you give me a date day every week that I am a priority to you, our relationship? And by the way, if you're going to marry me, then you need to know who I am. You need to know what I'm like, and you need to be like me. So let me give you the scale. Just the simplicity of who I am. Honor your father and mother. Because I do. I submitted to the will of my father all the way to the cross. Do not commit adultery. I keep my promises. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. Do not murder. I don't know where murder went, but you know what I'm talking about. He says, this is the fundamentals of my nature. It's who I am. And if you're going to be in relationship with me, then be like me. And they said what? we will. Everything you have told us, we will do. And yet we see him sprinkle the blood over the people because they have no idea that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And it is a contract, a marriage contract, that is conditional. And it comes with if you obey, you will be blessed. And if you don't, there will be curses. And so if you obey, when I bring you into the land, it's going to be good. But if you do not, it's not going to be good and you won't be there for long. That was the gist. Through two generations, he protected them through the wilderness and then Moses hands the staff off to who? Joshua. So are you with me so far? Okay, you can go back teach your kids. First four events, creation, fall, flood, nations. Big humankind events. Then it goes down to That in God's sovereignty, he's going to pick a man to become his special nation. Why? Because he's going to watch that nation all along, stay committed to them, because the Redeemer that he promised in chapter 3 is going to come through this family that will grow into a nation. And that family is the second half of Genesis. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Now we're in Exodus joseph gets them to egypt where moses rises up he frees them he leads them sets them up as a nation sets them up in covenant with god and then before they go into the promised land after two generations you know all those stories maybe you don't but if you don't go to numbers he then hands the staff off basically to joshua and it and i always ask people can you imagine You have been led your entire life by one man, Moses, and he's no joke. All right, I mean, he split the Red Sea, people. He called down manna. He received the law. I mean, this is Moses. He spent so much time with God; his face shone, it glowed, right? And so now he's not coming in. He's retiring. Can you imagine you have one pastor your whole life? He decides to retire. What's your attitude when the new young man comes? Uh Who is that? What is he, 20? (laughs) Does he even know Jesus? How long could he have possibly studied the Bible? He's going to lead us? Now, they were more familiar than that with Joshua because he'd been with them the whole time. But Joshua takes over and he says, all right, I'm leading you into the promised land. But if you remember the story, they have to cross the Jordan River. And the Jordan River is in flood stage. And so, God tells Joshua, you tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant and to go to the Jordan River and step on in. And when they do, it will be dried up and they will cross over on dried land, two million people. They didn't say, go stick your toe in it and see if it will dry up. No, step. In, in faith, and when you do, it will dry up. And that's exactly what happened. So now they see ooh, Moses had the Red Sea, but Joshua has the Jordan, maybe God is with this man. And then God tells them to do an amazing thing. He says, I want you to tell one man from each tribe to take a stone out of the middle of the Jordan River and to stand them up where you camp not as standing stones." so that when your kids grow up later in life as you are in the promised land they can go by and they can see those stones and they can say abba what's up with these stones and you can tell them the story about how y'all entered into the promised land and that god dried up the jordan river and you passed by their memorial stones Do you know that through the Old Testament, one of the most used words is remember? You want to know why? Because we are seriously forgetful. That's why. And all through the Old Testament, God tells them to stand up stones so they can remember what God has done for them. Because when you're in a crisis, can I just tell you, it is very hard sometimes to see the character of God, that he is good, that he's even present that he gives a darn. But if you have things to go back and look at, you're able to go back and go, no, wait a minute. God did this here. He did this here. He did this here. This is who he is. This is what I know. And I know that he can do it now. He has a plan. Standing stones to remember by. And so Joshua brings them into the land. When they come into the land, they're organized by tribe. They're tribal. Do you understand that? And they have tribal leaders. And so what God did is he divided up the the promised land, the land of Israel into different um, inheritances and so they spread out all over the land of Israel and they lived by tribe. And they were led by their tribal leaders. And then they would have priests who would travel around to the different tribes um, to give them spiritual counsel. The whole reason that God put them in this land was so that they would be standing stones. What do you mean? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you understand how little the land of Israel is? Super little. Maybe the size of Jersey. Of all the places that God could put his people, why in the world Would he put him there? He could have put him anywhere in the known world. I'll tell you why. Because the land of Israel, and this is important for you to know, everything I'm telling you is important because I'm going to refer back to it. It is the connector of the world in that time. It was the bridge to the empires. It was the bridge of the world. One of the greatest trade routes in all of the world went through the land of Israel. It was called the via maria the way of the sea and it followed the mediterranean sea and it went from egypt all the way through israel all the way up into the land of mesopotamia and so basically god put his people who are to live different than anyone else how according to his nature loving kind and honest making him number one. I mean, he wanted them to live in a way we were designed to live that brought blessing. And he wanted them to live and do it in the connector of the world so that when the entire world passed by, they would see it. And so in other words, they themselves would be standing stones. And this is an image all through the Bible is we're called stones, Jesus the cornerstone. The church was a stone built on that cornerstone. We're going to see that uh, symbolism in Daniel chapter 2 when a stone comes out and gets an image of Nebuchadnezzar. It's all going to start to play together. And so they are the standing stones. The problem was, instead of going in and being standing stones, they gave in to the world. And so instead of them influencing the world, guess what happened? The world began to influence them. And when that happened, God allowed in his sovereignty nations to rise up. Now, did you hear me say allowed? God did not cause it. He doesn't have to cause it. Because what do we do by nature? We build empires we dominate. He allowed those nations to do what they do. Or the, not nations at the time, I'm going to say those people groups. You know all the ites? Right? The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Mosquito Bites, all the ites. Okay? He let them all rise up at different times attacking different tribes and what God did is he called up certain men and women as judges. All right, And those judges would come in and they would free the people. And they would say, listen, you got yourself in a pickle because you've been cheating on your God. And he has taken his hand away. And so if you want it back, then you better focus on living how God has designed us to live and get rid of all these idols and we worship Yahweh and Yahweh alone. And the judge would clean house, he would reinstitute the worship of Yahweh, and then they would live in a time of peace. And then guess what would happen? They'd do it again. And they entered into a cycle called the Judges, where they would worship other gods, and then they would be, you know, annihilated by some ite, and then they would pray to God for help. And then God is faithful because he was the faithful groom. We're the cheaters. And then God was faithful, and he would rise up some man or woman, Gideon, Deborah, Samson, right? And they would free them, and then they would live in a time of peace, and then they'd do it again. Now, is there a personal lesson in there for me? Do you ever feel like you're personally in the cycle of the judges? I live there. It's like the minute I get comfortable, I get sidetracked. And then you know, I realize things aren't going too good. My focus is off, right? And so you get in this this cycle, and so it's the cycle of the judges. At one point, though, Israel comes to basically Samuel, who was the leader at the time, and they say, we got a great idea. (laughs) We think the problem is, it's not the fact of our heart issue or anything like that, The problem is, we need to come together as a nation under one man. It seems to be working for all the other nations. And so we want to be like all the other nations, and we want a king. Holy moly. The whole point was for them not to be like the other nations. They have a king. Who is he? God. Has he ever been unfaithful to them through the whole story? I double-dog dare you to read all these books of the Old Testament and you tell me one time God let them down. No. This entire time, he has raised up a leader who would serve him and lead people in a great way. Every time they got in a pickle, he rescued them through some leader that was true to God. And now, they're asking God for a king. Oh, that makes sense to me. Because what do we know about men? Over time, when they are given power, they become depraved. I tell you what's a great idea. Let's just establish a monarchy so that now we choose a man, and no matter what his sons are like, they're our kings. Sounds like a good plan to me, right? And God is like, do you understand what you're asking for? When a man is your king, he is going to build an earthly kingdom. Battle. And when he does that, he's going to do it most of the time through brutality and violence. And he is going to use your sons in war because now he has to defend that kingdom. And he's going to take your daughters, and they're going to work in the palace. And so be careful what you're asking for. But he gives it to him, and the first one he gives him is exactly what they're asking for. He fits the bill as far as the eyes, and that is Saul. But he has no heart for God. And then Saul is replaced by David. David is unique. He's not unique in behavior. He is a sinful man, just like Saul. The difference is he had a heart that loved God. And when he recognized his sin, he repented quickly. And at that point, the nation became united. Now, where am I headed? I have only told you the history basically of the nation of israel while it was united saul david and you're going to see under solomon but when we come back next week we're not looking necessarily at the history of creation or the world or just the uh past history of the nation of israel like how they came to be the next thing we're going to look at is what happened to them when they split and now we've got all these kings going on, and we're going to see the political system of what eventually ended up being the life of Daniel. Because he was smack dab in the middle of the most incredible, incredibly corrupt political system you can imagine. Does that ring a bell? Okay. How did he live in that spot? What did he do? How did he remain faithful? What led up to Daniel being taken captive? We're going to look at that. I know this was a lot of history. Here's what I recommend. Go back. If you've ever had the story, the story Bible, go back and read it. Read through the story, of uh, the chron- chronology of those Old Testament stories, right? Um, because what you're going to see, is the beauty of the fact that God makes promises and when it comes to the redemption of man, ain't nothing getting him off that track. Okay? He created it great. We screwed it up. He devised a plan to fix it. He was going to do it no matter what, staying on the tracks. But he was not going to negate what he created in the free will of man. And he allows the free will of man to happen as he works in personal lives. But he had a plan and he was going to stick to it. Because the only intervention that will ever cure everything, right, is a total rebirth. Did we not learn that? I know I'm one minute over. I'm sorry. It is a total rebirth. Because it doesn't matter how much he intervenes. He could start with the best human being available. And as long as sin was there and there wasn't regeneration, what have we learned? Over time, sin takes a hold and we end up back at Babel. So he had a plan that how in the world would he bring about a total rebirth in the heart of man because that is the only thing that will fix the problem. I hope that makes sense. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for today. I thank you for a great start. Lord, if this was overwhelming to some, God, I pray that this week that they'll investigate. Maybe it just created interest in the Bible again. Maybe it it is going to draw them in to see the overall narrative of what God does. The fact that he created this amazing perfect world. We messed it up. But he was so unwilling to let us go that he had the most amazing plan to buy us back. And it cost him his life to do it. We need to understand history to appreciate the true story about what God has done because how could we ever understand our value to him if we don't understand what he did to buy us? And so, God, I pray that you would draw them into your word, that they would need to understand that the only way Daniel got through is because he had a faith in the God of this story. So the only way that we're going to get through is because we have that same faith in the same God of this same story. And so, God, I pray that you would help me be able to tell that story in a way that all could understand. We sure love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.